And now, an Envision Financial podcast with Luke Smith on Canberra's 2CC. Well, it's about uh, 26 to 5. It's a Friday afternoon, and it's time to welcome to the studio to talk all about our finances from Envision Finance. It's Luke Smith. Good afternoon. And good afternoon. And just before we uh, switched on the microphones, you reminded me the tennis players are out. Oof, I'm so relieved. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah, those social media posts were starting to get a bit annoying. Yeah, I feel for Djokovic and, you know, in there counting his cash. I'm sure he was struggling. On the positive side, <laughs> Serena Williams was saying very nice things yes, about Australia. Yeah, look, I think, you know, uh, one of these instances where it's been a horrible thing for everybody to have to deal with and yeah. you only sort of get brought to your attention the bad side and the people that went through that stuff and I think she was a really good advocate for the systems, the processes and the magnitude with which everybody's had to deal with stuff and... The, the, the generally the, the really good job we've done as a, as a country compared to a number of others. Absolutely. And it's interesting too, when you see sports people on the field, on the court, wherever, all you're seeing is is what they're doing when they're focused on their sport. They're serious. They're, they're focused on that one thing. Mm. You don't see them as a human being yeah. necessarily. But when you see them just chatting in an interview, um, whenever you see Serena, she's always so gracious and charming. So. Yeah, look, I think it's, you know, they're very fortunate that they have a platform and the ability to put forward a very positive message and use their profile for, for the greater good in the majority of instances. And, you know, All right. a wonderful example. You've led me down this garden path. I'm going to go there. Nick Kyrgios, how good is he? <laughs> <laughs> Just depends if you come back in your next life as a light post on you know? <laughs> So. Oh, no, in recent times, I think people have grown to love and appreciate Nick because uh, he's, he's, he's been telling it like it is look, for I'm, the last 12 months. And look, those that know me, there's no grey area. <laughs> so I can, I can understand where he's coming from. If we, if we polished you know, the edges, I think you know, he's, you know, he's a great athlete, does what he does, and hopefully he's around to be a good advocate for the sport and be a good role model for Oh, him. absolutely, and he's been doing great things for yeah. the edges. He's been doing great things for Bushfire Relief, and now, of course, yeah. he's been doing great things telling Djokovic that he's a tool. Well, that, that I love. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. We're here to talk about money. Yep. And I, I know that you know people find that an extremely boring topic unless, yeah. they, unless they want to make some more of it. And then all of a sudden their ears pop, well, pop, pop up, don't they? I find there's, 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 there's an age where, you know, you say to young children, you know, you need to be an adult, you need to grow up, you need to do this. And I think finance is one of those things where at some point you put your big boy, your big girl pants on and realise, ooh, retirement's sneaking up a lot faster than I realised and now I need to take an interest. So Yeah, well, we've been talking in recent times about our superannuation. Mm. The last week we were talking about how to get more money into super. Yep. We're taking a little bit more of a closer look at yep. uh, part of that uh, this week yep. with non-concessional contributions. Yep. Now, as much as that sounds like a very dry topic, what exactly are non-concessional contributions, how do they work, and why are they such wonderful things? Yeah, so last week we talked about the various ways that you can put money into superannuation, and this is one of them. And I thought it'd be worth breaking this down a little bit because it's extremely powerful, and it ties in with what I just said about people putting their big boy pants or big girl pants on and realising, wow, I need to have some sort of plan to fund my retirement the way I want to live. And this is a really good way of making a contribution to superannuation with money that you may have saved in your own name, money that you may have realised from the sale of an asset, money that you may have inherited uh, from a family member, some lotto money, wherever it's come from. A non-concessional contribution is simply the event of putting money into superannuation and not claiming a tax deduction. And there's a lot of I guess, crossed wires because this often gets missed mm -hmm. because a lot of people are aware of the $25,000 limit 
where you do claim a tax deduction, and that takes into account money from your employer, which we touched on last week. Yeah. A non-concessional contribution is just the act of putting money into super and not claiming a tax deduction up to the legislative limits. Okay, well, I was going to say, I mean, I can understand why they want to put a limit on the amount you can put in and get a tax concession, a mm -hmm. tax deduction. Okay. Is there a limit on the amount you can put in and not claim a tax deduction? Correct, there is. So there are two sides to it. So the general limit is $100,000 per financial year per person. Mm -hmm. Or let's say you did sell an asset. Let's say you had an investment property, you owned a building, you downsized your house, and you had a larger amount of money floating around. You're able to put in a $300,000 contribution per person in one go, but that then locks you out for the following three years. So that's effectively three lots of 100. So you can put in three years worth all in one go, but then you have to wait for the yeah. catch up before yeah. you can put and it in. You're locked out for that period yeah. of time and then it resets. And you need to keep in mind that there are also limits in relation to the amount you can put in depending on your total superannuation balance. And that's where the 1.6 million transfer balance cap limit comes in, which can catch people a little unawares. So if uh, if I'm hypothetically selling my house and I've got a spare $600,000 left over after everything, yep. and I haven't put any non-concessional contributions in for the past three years, can I put in $300,000 now and then another $300,000 in the following financial year and then lock myself out? So can I, no. No? I just no. thought I'd try and no, but we can skin create that. a loophole. Okay, but we can, we can skin <laughs> that count a different way. So you can make a $300,000 non-concessional contribution with cash. Mm -hmm. If you're over the age of 65, you could use a $300,000 downsizing legislation and get your $600,000 in. Okay. But when it comes to using this, and, and, and one of the points I've got in here is, you need to be a bit sharp about how you use this, right? So if it's applied to the financial year, what I'd be saying to people is, let's put 100 in in June. We don't put 101 in. Because if we put in 101000 we trigger the three-year rule. Yeah. So we put $100,000 in before the end of the financial year. And on the 1st of July, we throw $300,000 in. You can effectively get $400,000 per person yeah. in the space of two weeks. Yeah. Um, and then obviously with that three hundred going in, you're then locked out for that period of time yeah. where it resets. And then provided you're not at the maximum super limit, you can then look to try and do that again. But you need to always keep in mind with this that the first question you have to ask yourself is, can I make a contribution to super? Okay, and if you're under the age of 65, there's no work test to meet. If you're over the age of 65, you need to do 40 hours in 30 days. Okay, the other caveat we have with the non-concessional contributions is over the age of 65, you'd lose that 300,000 bring forward window. And you can only put $100,000 a year in where you're over the age of 65. Okay. So if you are approaching 65 and you're thinking about selling an asset and getting it into super, and people then say, well, why would I want to do this? If you can maximise the amount of money you have in super, decide to finish work or quit a job and meet a condition of release, yeah. you can start an income stream and make everything inside your super fund 100% tax-free, not only coming out to you because you're over the age of 60, but anything earned on the investments in the pension account are also 100% tax-free and 100% exempt from capital gains tax. So if you bought CBA back in the day in your super fund for $20 yeah. and you go and sell it at $85 in a pension account, provided you're not over the $1.6 million limit, you pay zero tax on that transaction. So 
That's why people want to use this sort of legislation to get everything into a tax-free structure once you start a pension, retire from the workforce and start to fund yourself and live the way that you want to live. Okay. So the, uh, are there other um, uh, uh, types of non-concessional contributions aside from if you happen to have, uh, you know, you've sold your house or, or, or whatever? Are there other circumstances where this might be appropriate for you to yeah. pursue? So other ways to use this would be to balance out your accumulated superannuation. One problem that we have in the ACT because of the defined benefit nature of the government super schemes is that some people with many years of service actually reach the $1.6 million limit and they do that simply by receiving a $100,000 pension from their defined benefit income stream, be it CSS, PSS, MSBS or DFADB. So if you're one of those schemes and you take a $100,000 pension, you multiply that pension by 16, you're at $1.6 million. So one strategy there for people to consider is using the non-concessional rules to increase the balance of a spouse's account and looking to pull money out of your account where you can and add it back into a spouse's account because anything over $1.6 million is not tax-free. So if you can manage that leading into retirement and increase the balance of a spouse's account, provided they're not over that $1.6 million limit, you've then got tax-free income that you can benefit from in retirement. Now, you've mentioned this $1.6 million limit a, a few times, mm. and you've just said now that anything over that mm. is no longer tax-free. Correct. Now, obviously, there's a lot of people that are under that limit, but some people are lucky enough to accumulate $1.6 million or more. Yep. So what do they do with that extra money? Is there is there uh, any other way to manage that situation where they've exceeded that limit? Yep. Are there strategies to, to deal with that? Yeah, so, and again, great point because... Everybody gets their, their, their undies in a bunch over 1.6. And I had this conversation with someone just yesterday. Oh, I can't get into 1.6 once. I hit 1.6, it's all over. 1.6 is not the maximum amount of money that you can put into super. 1.6 million per person is just the limit at which everything inside the fund is tax-free. So you could end up with 2 million, 3 million in super mm -hmm. through either accumulation of your wealth over your working life or yeah. different ways of putting it in. What you can do to try and then limit the 15% tax paid on the earnings from the assets that are greater than 1.6 is to maximise the franking credits in your tax-free pension account, which could help offset the excess account that you will maintain right. on the 1.6 and up. Yep. You can rebalance things with a spouse. There's there's lots of different ways to try. And, and just rewinding a moment there, once you hit that $1.6 million limit, it doesn't mean you lose your tax concessional status. It means that the tax concession applies only to the assets under that limit. Correct, exactly right. So you could have $2 million in super. You've got a tax-free pension made up of $1.6 million, and then you've got $400,000 in excess and the earnings on that $400,000 would be taxed at 15% as a, as a general. So it's not as terrible as some people might say. No, and, and as I said to a gentleman yesterday, you know, don't, don't freak out about this. It's, it's, if, if it's a first world problem and you're only paying 15% tax on a chunk of your assets, yeah. it's not the end of the world. No, it's not. And as a businessman famously said years ago in a totally different context, he said, I don't understand why people complain about paying tax. If you're paying tax, it means you're making a profit. Well, and, and look, I don't disagree with that. I know everybody <laughs> wants more money in retirement and there's yeah. never enough. 
regardless of the figure, but it's something that, again, you need to be mindful of because there are a number of active strategies that you can take advantage of. The, the point is that if you're paying a little bit of tax because of this rule, the reason you're paying it is because well, you're actually you're, better off than most other people. You're not starving. Exactly, exactly right. Exactly right. But again, a very good illustration of the benefit of getting some advice and using these sorts of contribution methodologies to limit the amount of tax that you pay to be able to then incorporate spouses um, and, and other ways to invest to make sure that you are getting the greatest bang for your buck because ultimately everybody says to me, well, I've worked my entire life, I've saved up this amount of money, it's my right to be able to live the way I want to live and I totally agree with all of that um, and you'd be mad if you don't look at some strategies to try and mitigate tax where possible. Now, this is a question that's never going to apply to me, but I'm just curious to ask it. Uh, forget about your $1.6 million limit. What if you're one of the very few people that's got like, I don't know, 50, 60, $80 million, couple of hundred million dollars? None of this is really anything you worry about, is it? You've well, got other strategies that you're pursuing. This is where you need to put things into context. Right? Yes. <laughs> so if, if, if you've got an asset base that is so far outside of the realm of normal, yeah. one, there's only so many logs you can hide things in. Yes. <laughs> Two, you're then looking to try and take advantage of other structures yes. where you may have family trusts, you may have companies where you're limiting tax at the company rate yeah. as opposed to your marginal tax rate. Yeah. It's always about looking at the total resource pool that you have and ways that you can continue to grow your asset base and fund your lifestyle in a way that lets you live the way that you want to live and do the things you want to do without paying an unnecessary amount of tax. And the government has done a very good job of making it harder and harder and harder to be able to benefit from individual investment structures, one being superannuation, um, because ultimately they need to collect as much tax as possible. Because if the government was pro about having people fund themselves in retirement, the deductible contribution limit would probably be around 100, which it was when I joined the industry in you know, 2000. Um, it's, it's, it's always going to be that seesaw of fund the nation, pay for some infrastructure yeah. and not give people, you know, too much of a free kick. Yeah. Now, <laughs> just one more question on this $1.6 million limit. Once you hit that level, um, is it still worthwhile putting your extra money into superannuation or would you then start looking at alternative investments to superannuation? Okay, so it's really a really good question because once you hit that limit, this type of contribution ceases to be available. Okay. Okay, so very important that we keep that in mind. You hit 1.6, you can no longer make non-concessional contributions to superannuation. Okay. You can make a deductible contribution, which is the $25,000, so that yep. would be claiming a tax deduction or superannuation from an employer. You can continue to do that if you've hit 1.6, but making this type of contribution that we're talking about okay. today ceases to be available. So then you would certainly be looking for alternative options. So then you're looking at, okay, do I invest in a family trust? Do I invest in my spouse's name? Yeah. Do I then invest through a company? What can I do to try and have control over my asset base, continue to invest and grow my wealth, but also then control the underlying tax output of what you're invested in? On 2CC, it's about 11 minutes to 5, and today we're talking about non-concessional contributions with Luke Smith from Envision Financial, and we'll be back with more in just a moment. Seven minutes to five on two double C, and in this half hour, I've been joined in the studio by Luke Smith from Envision Financial. Today, we've been talking about non-concessional contributions to your superannuation. I know it sounds dull, but it's actually quite exciting, especially if you get somewhere close to that one point six million dollar limit in your super fund. So, Luke, what are some key strategies that people should consider and remember? Yeah, so 
I'd be looking, and we touched on it before the break, on the timing of your contribution. Don't just race out and throw 300 in. Manage how you put that money into the fund. So think about making a $100,000 contribution in this financial year with $300,000 being put in in July because that, that 100,000 limit resets on the 30th of June every year as long as you don't put in more than 100,000. You put in 101,000, you've triggered your three-year rule. Put in 100,000, 1st of July resets, you can get $400,000 in in the space of a couple of weeks. I'd be looking at maximising or withdrawing and making recontributions for spouses. If you're getting close to 1.6, you can build up a spouse's superannuation benefit, provided they're of a similar age and they're going to access it at a similar time. You'd then be able to have more of your total retirement capital in a tax-free structure. I'd be looking at getting money in if you're approaching 65, because from 65 onwards, you lose the ability to throw in that $300,000 contribution outside of the downsizing legislation, which could be another way of, of getting that money in as a little side strategy. I'd also be looking at making sure that the structure you're using is generating as much of your income as possible up to the 1.6 so that you could potentially use franking credits to negate the tax on any excess contributions. If you're in a defined benefit scheme, make sure that you know, you're incorporating a spouse because a large portion of the threshold will be used um, with your, your pension entitlement. So making contributions in a spouse's name is going to be really, really good and really advantageous. Consider um, other structures. So if you get to the limit, think about family trusts, think about holding some assets in your own name because you're going to have tax-free money coming out of super over the age of 60 which means you could accumulate a significant amount of asset in your own name and still pay minimal tax using your marginal tax rates um, in your own names. So there's some things that people can, can consider, but it's always about looking at your broader situation and saying, right, what's my time frame? How am I going to fund my lifestyle? What do I need? And where's the best way to be able to accumulate assets in the right place? to mitigate, obviously, paying unnecessary tax. And if I don't have a house to sell, what's the best way I can get a hold of $300,000 quickly? Well, <laughs> I'm all out of balaclavas. Uh, <laughs> so it's, look, it's, it's, just, tempting, it? it's just about being mindful and, and not leaving it. I guess this what we've illustrated today is don't leave it to the last minute because you could actually make it extremely difficult for yourself or find out that, you may need to work for an extra period of time to be able to make contributions, which may not be part of your broader retirement plan. So, you know, leading into retirement, be proactive, have some time up your sleeve, do things consistently and in a, in a, in a stress-free environment. You don't want to be making these decisions under duress um, because finishing work in some situations is, is, is quite scary for some people. So. Well, yeah, it certainly is. So as we approach the end of the segment today, Luke, where can listeners get more information? Yeah, so... As always, 6260-4749, give us a ring, come in, have a chat, sit down, throw around some strategies, have a health check, be aware of what your options are. We've got envisionfinancial.com.au, we've got the Knowledge Centre there, you can subscribe to that for free. There's a bank of technical information, this being one of them, there's some videos to watch, there's articles to read. We've got the podcast, The Strategy Stacker Luke Talks Money on Spotify and iTunes, and we've got the YouTube channel, Envision Financial Campbell, where we've got all the key takeouts of the show and the video footage so you don't have to read anything, you can watch it on your phone, pause it, write things down, and have the um, the key messages written out at the end of the show and some bullets. So it's all there for people to collect the information and watch it, read it, see it the way they, they prefer. So Fantastic stuff, Luke. Thanks very much. We'll see you next week. We'll catch you again next Friday afternoon. We're